on this computer and we are recording right now so we are back again welcome back y'all street academy podcast where we keep one foot in the academy and one foot in the streets hey uh that's what it is right now <laughs> ever this is gonna be a good episode <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right, here we go. One foot in the academy and one foot in the streets. I'm your co host, Jonathan Grant, John Paul, Greasy, John Greasy, John Jeezy, John Granzel in the building. Uh, Go ahead and introduce yourself. I am Amber Camila. Entirety of my name right now. That's it right now. We're not yeah. using slave names. No so slave names. About that, you know what I'm saying? No we slave names. We just go with the Amber Camilla. You know how much of a I? You know, I don't have. I still have not found a better term yet. And you know, there's a whole thing about cursing as a as a thing. But yeah. I, and you know, if you want to bleep this, it's fine. That's but do you know how much of a mind fuck it is for us to still be calling ourselves by the people who owned our ancestors? Yeah. That's yeah. like it's, we cannot even begin to fathom how deeply embedded into our psyche ownership in the slave economy is. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, I've thought about that. Um, it's crazy. A lot. Um, you know, how, how long do I want to go with my, with my last name? Because my last name, like, my auntie did the research with our family, like the Grant family, and Grant was the name of the person that owned my so-called owned my great-great-great or right. whatever. So-called, yeah. Yeah. And so, and yeah, and that was his name. His name was 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 Master, you know, Grant. Ugh. And so, for me to just be walking around with that name is just like I really am doing that. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, at some point, I know. I, I feel like I'm gonna get to a point where I will have to drop my last name. You know what I'm saying? I, don't, I guess I just haven't gone through with that process yet. It hasn't, you know, reached that level. But it's something I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, and one of my mentors uh, in undergrad, um, she changed her whole name. I don't even know what her so-called, you know, original birth name. name. Her birth name. I don't even know what it was to be honest with you. And I don't even care because I'm like, no, this is who you are. And so mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I call you that. Um, so yeah, you're right. You're right. I still haven't gone through the quote unquote legalization because what does that even mean when it comes to right. title and identity? That's an interesting right. thing that the state owns that. Right. Um, but like, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. I think it, it hit me without having read, you know, all of the stuff about it, you know, especially what Malcolm X put out and other, other folks. I just remember it just was coming to me like, Yo, I'm every time I introduce myself, I'm honoring them, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm like speaking their name. It's part of the reason why I take issue with Hamilton, um, but we can talk about that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hamilton, the the play. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, you you saw? It? Yeah, I finally saw it because you know they released it. They released it on um, Disney Plus um, okay. not too long ago. If I'm not mistaken, it was uh, they released it Fourth uh, of July weekend or something. I'm not. It was sometime very recently that I also thought the timing was suspect. Um, mm. But I, what I wasn't comfortable with was uh, Black actors giving voice to white oppressors, mm. <laughs> uh, to dead white oppressors. I get the idea of like colorless casting. Yeah, mm. I think there's something very unsettling about, something very unsettling and dishonoring about using a black man's voice today to to speak the fictional words of George Washington, who mm, was mm. a genocidist or any of the people who are considered the founding fathers, which are really the founding right. terrorists of America. Right, so right. Something, something's connected there. I mean, anytime I teach, I always say <clears throat> the so-called founding fathers. Like I never say- It's insane. Because what, what did they find? They, they what, what, what do you mean found, founded this country? This country was already founded right. by people long, long, long ago. So they're right. not fathers, I say. You know, the people who are history books 
say our founding fathers. I'll say that, but I'm I'm not gonna call Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, None of them. you know, Christopher Columbus, whoever a founding fathers. Like no, no, you None like, of them. anything, you know. And if you did found this country, then you're a terrible person. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Look at look at what it is. Look at because look you at, founded it on some real trash on right. genocide and right. on, on the enslavement of right. peoples of other peoples. And so many but, other things. You know what? It's actually interesting we're talking about this, though, because, um, well, actually, before before we do that, I, I do want to do this. I didn't ask you this when we was prepping. Okay. But, um, I'm, I'm, you know, you you and I both are, are in different places mentally for various reasons. Uh, but, <laughs> but I am because a really close friend of mine just got word uh, a couple of hours ago. I was, I was flying back to Atlanta and I was landing and literally while while the plane was landing I found out that a really close friend of mine that I grew up with passed away. Um, Mercy, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, she was like maybe a year older than me. Like she wasn't well, older or anything like that. And um, so it just, it just, it was a lot. So I've, I've been in a, in a crazy place just trying to make sense because it's just been a lot of deaths. I've been, it has to, been. I've been to quite a few funerals. I've been to more funerals in the past couple months than I have um, in the past decade. Um, oh. Yeah, this has been a lot. And but this one, this one hurt uh, just a little bit different than some yeah. of the, some of the other funerals I've been to. Um, and literally, like our birthdays are like a day apart. So. Wow. Like I'm looking in my in my phone, um, and like the day, you know, after my birthday, I text uh, you know, um, happy birthday. She texted me back, happy birthday, you know. Um, we just we grew up together. We was we was we was cool, we was close. Um, so anyway, I don't wanna say her name because you know, I mean people talking about it on social media and Facebook and everybody everybody do it in their way. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little more kind of like chill about it. So I don't want to, you know, put the name out. Whoever knows, you know, if you don't, you don't, whatever. Yeah. But um, I do just kind of want to do like just a quick moment of silence for, for my own. Absolutely. Um, you know, and just to let y'all know, um, just be safe out there. And um, yeah, just take care of yourselves, take care of your families um, and just be grateful for life people are struggling for rare people struggling people going through different things um so yeah just 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 be um just continue to hold on just continue to be grateful for your life um continue to push past all of the bs that's going on out here because it's gonna get better um for those people who have lost people um you're not alone um, seek help in any way you can. If you can't afford therapy, go. If you can't, uh, find, you know, try to find other ways of, or people to talk to or even some free therapy sessions that are out there. Um, and yeah, you know, um, we all just trying to get through it. So anyway, I just want to, to, to do that real quick so we can have a moment of silence. Okay. I say. <clears throat> All right. So let me, so you were talking about, so, so we're talking about the forefathers and all of that. I was actually oh, came right in on time man. too. Came right in on time. Welcome sis. She can't hear us yet. I don't think. <laughs> okay. I can hear you. Okay, there she goes. <laughs> Yay. Hi people. You Hi. came right in on time, cuz. Okay, good. And we was getting ready to do it, and I ain't, we ain't even say nothing about why uh, why Jackie wouldn't have to go clip it. Let me cut this. Oh out. yeah, we should we should let her we should let her say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say what? I should say what? Oh, you just slide in. Just say who you are. Oh, I am Jackie. You can find me at Jackie Demission on all the things. Yup, 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 yup. So, oh, please tell us why you just sliding in exactly. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, 
<laughs> my uh, boo has been getting into music and writing some songs since the quarantine happened, which <clears throat> is good. Like, I think everyone has had to figure out, like, something to occupy the time and feel like they're doing something meaningful, given the fact that we're all indoors. Um, anyway, he's a creative, and he did a listening party for his new album, which didn't start out as an album, but now it is, and it's really good. So mm, It is. It oh, is. how do we hear this? How do we hear this? Um, so there are some things in the works, some like behind the scenes musical things that are going on. So hopefully within the next month, it'll be streaming on all the, the music platforms. Okay, cool. I look forward to hearing. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, what, what's his artist name? I know his name is Kunle, but his artist name. It's the same, just Kunle with an I on the end. Okay, Kunle with an I on the end, K-U-N. L-E-I. I I was at the listening party. Uh yeah, yeah, I was there. I listened to the whole thing. It was dope. I loved it. Um, especially the the first well, I I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna like ruin it, but it was it was was some that when when I hit them up, I'm I'm gonna tell them the ones that that really stuck out to me. But uh, dope, 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 dope project. Um, dope artist. Uh so y'all make sure y'all cop that. The name of the album is Remember me when this is over, right? Remember yeah. me when this is over. So <laughs> y'all check it out. Uh, make sure y'all stream it. There's probably SoundCloud, Spotify, all of that. It's probably going to be on all, the, all, all other things. Um, and actually, what we can do is we can put the tag in on YouTube, at Love Kunle, L-O-V-K-U-N-L-E-I, so you can find out exactly where to go to get the music. But yes, it's, it's crazy dope. Um, if you like like that little brother kind of sound to me, this is this is just my perspective. Mm. Like kind of like that kind of that kind of little brother kind of sound. You know what I'm saying? Like real, you know, real hip hop, real verses, real. But 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 then it has this kind of like the music of today has this kind of vibe. Like I think about <laughs> like I think about one of my favorite albums right now was um what's her name Chilombo by um uh. What's that sister? Uh, Big Sean. Oh, no, not Big Sean. Is it Big Sean? Big Sean. Oh, girl. Yeah, Janae Aiko. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. That album is a vibe. Really? Okay. And so, so when I was listening, when I was hearing Kool Aid's joint, it kind of gave me that sense of like, it has that like little brother rap style. But mm. vibe kind of music, the way you just throw it on and you just let it ride, and mm-hmm. it, just, it just you know it just moves like that. It's just like water, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, you just ride it all the way from from the first track to the last track. Um, kind of like you know Marvin Gaye's was going on. Like it just kind of put me in that kind of that that kind of oh, nice. Yeah, so y'all check that out. Okay, mm-hmm. good. So we own it. Yeah. So so me and Amber was basically talking about. Um, I don't know how I don't know how we got on this on this topic about the the so-called founding forefathers. Oh, I know what it was. We were talking about <laughs> last names and how okay. Amber doesn't go by her last name no more. Yeah. And so yeah. um and, and why we as black people still go by our last names, because mm-hmm. a lot of our last names are the last names of the people that so-called owned our grandmothers and grandfathers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we literally are calling ourselves these white people names so you know then we started talking about you know not saying founding fathers but so-called founding fathers or Mm -hmm. history books say were the founding fathers of this country when we know that they didn't find this country yeah in the sense that they created it it existed for centuries Mm -hmm. before um so we were just talking about that which kind of actually goes right into the the other topic for today um which is uh, your boy Nick Cannon, right? Okay. And everything that has been going on with him. And we, we can talk about whether, you know, you agree or disagree, um, you know, about what he says. Was it anti-Semitic? Was it not? Mm-hmm. Was what he said about white people good? Was it not? We can, we can do that if we want. But I think a really good place to go and another part of the conversation or another part of this topic that I haven't really heard other people discuss 
was what does this mean for all of us with a platform, right? Mm. So we all in some mm. way have or currently represent um, a larger entity, you know, being employed or being connected to or volunteering or whatever, working for somebody, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we also have this platform, the Street Academy podcast, right? Where hopefully we can say how we feel, you know? But what if we say something, right? <laughs> you know, and we don't have no crazy amount of followers or subscribers like they can, but let's say it was somebody was to hear something we say here and then get back to our employer and then now we got to worry. So now we got to censor ourselves. So that's, while this is happening in Nick Cannon and he's a celebrity, this has implications for all of us mm -hmm. because we never yeah. know who's going to hear what we say or, you know, what we talk about on a podcast or on an album or, you know, on a speech that somebody's recording or anything. So I think that's something we should talk about as well. Like, what does that mean? How does that, how does Nick, you know, we talk about Nick, but then also what does that mean for us, for all mm -hmm. of us who want to create our own platforms? We have jobs and things like that, or, you know, uh, or things that we're connected to, but we want to create something for ourselves. But how can we do that if what we're creating for ourselves, you know, can be taken away from us by these other entities that sometimes we have to use to pay our bills. So, I don't know. I think, and even, you know, even if they don't do it today, they could do it tomorrow. They could do it a year from now or so because the internet is eternal, right? So it's right. like, and that's what's been happening to so many people. It's just like people will reach back into the Twitter files from 10 years ago or for however long ago to say, this is what this person said. So, you know, I imagine that both of us will, that I mean that all of us will continue to elevate in our careers and in our professions and possibly status. And so, you know, these old Street Academy podcast days, when we were young, <laughs> again, how we keep saying, like we were young whippersnappers, something, we might say something that wasn't as elegant, you know? Um, and I don't, you know, as I like try to parse through it all, my summation is, the need for just our own things and so mm -hmm. even uh, what's unfortunate about Nick Cannon is like he started the show Wild and Out right um and so it's just like he created this thing himself but it was in partnership with this larger company right and so mm -hmm. it's just like he he created you would think in one way it's just like well this is his own creation how could this be taken away from him but it's because it's on a platform that's not his own and so I think it speaks to the continual need of um, black people to create our own stuff from top to bottom, like um, completely. So it's just like, this is completely owned by us. Even how I think people are beginning to talk more about needing our own social media platforms and everything, because it's like, we, we get censored on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook in different ways. Um, and we can't, we can't expect that the more that we speak truth to power, that these companies, <laughs> who again are based in the slave economy and that profit off of white supremacy and the continuation of it, that they're going to permit our voices to be heard in the ways that mm -hmm. we want them to be heard. Not to say that what Nick Cannon was saying was proper necessarily, because I also don't know enough just about the history of anti, of, of anti-Semitic anti rhetoric um, and how that works and all of the nuances of it. But it's just mm -hmm. like, he doesn't have the space to be able to say what he thinks, period, because you don't own it from top to bottom, you know, even if you own this part of it, if it's not comprehensive ownership, we can expect, I think at this point, we can expect that we will um, encounter some conflict later. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I have so many thoughts going through my mind right now. One, I can't fully speak on what Nick Cannon said because I heard a short clip of I guess what is a like full length like dialogue that he had and the little piece that I heard um I didn't find anything wrong with it but I might have just heard the wrong the wrong part that like okay. the whole yeah got the whole thing started um but it makes me think about how we have these platforms and then they get like whittled down into um sound bites and mm -hmm. these sound bites may not be reflective of the entire like 
context of what we're saying, but it's easy to like take that little sound bite and essentially cancel people now that we're in this era of like cancel culture, which is a whole nother topic. And it wasn't that Nick Cannon necessarily got canceled by the people, but he certainly is experiencing a economic and like a business cancellation oh. based on things that he said. Which also makes me think of like how there's such an immediate response and such an immediate like punitive action that people don't have time to like learn and grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. Like if there if if social media was around when I was 15, 14, oh, 17, oh, 18, yeah, yeah. the types of things that I would have said, yeah, you know, were just silly, just dumb but you know at 14 15 you just got here you don't know too much about the world and then you evolve and you're like man you know I'm so glad that I'm not that person anymore that I've learned so much more that doesn't contribute to this like myopic view that I had at that time Mm. um so you know do a show like about the things we said back then yeah man (laughs) that was so stupid that now we're like (laughs) Oh, why would I say something? I don't know. I just thought about yeah. that. That would be a yeah. dope. No, seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I, I just, I, I just don't think that because we have platforms that can be condensed into sound bites that then get quickly responded and reacted to, that people just don't have the time to learn and to grow. And I'm not saying that everybody who gets on the mic needs you know, an excessive amount of time because we have lots of people who we can like name off now who they've had time and they're still who they are. <laughs> Whatever that sound bite was, they're still that person. Right. That's different. Yeah. That's that's a whole different that's a whole different story. Um but honestly, you know, I also like so many thoughts. I think also about how um you know, I'm not like super familiar with again with what Nick Cannon said and how it's based and rooted in the 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 words of Minister Farrakhan. But what I do know is that um, when I read *The Wretched of the Earth* and *Black Skin, White Mass* by Fanon, and he's psychoanalyzing white people, he's not too kind in how he describes them, um, and rightfully so. Uh, so. Oh, please don't turn that into a sound bite. Well, whatever. We're here now. <laughs> We're here now. No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> I not. And just like you, Jackie, I didn't see the full clip, but the part that I know that where, you know, it, it's the claiming of the Hebrew um, ancestry. Mm. Um, what a friend, because my friends and I, some of my friends and I, we had a whole dialogue in a group chat just talking about it. And one of my friends was trying to help me understand that, you know, questioning their ancestry is a part of what will feel anti-Semitic because of how that's typically accompanied with um, an an accusation that the Holocaust never occurred. And so Mm -hmm. it's like there, I guess, you know, there's that whole, that's an association I didn't know about because I'm, I am familiar with Hebrew Israelites um, Mm -hmm. a little bit, at least to the point where it's just like, black people are the true Israelites. And so I didn't realize how that could be interpreted as something that's anti-Semitic. Um, but I can see that. I mean, if, if you frame it in that way, but I think too, what's interesting is like, is that a difference of historical perspective or is that, you know, um, is that saying that we don't recognize you, we don't recognize your blood for what you say the blood is. So does that make it, are we anti you or are we say like, that's where I get kind of, I haven't thought through it enough to be able to yeah. speak to it. What about Same. you, John? Yeah. Um, so I, I actually did listen to um, the, the whole thing. thing. Okay. Yeah. How long is the whole thing? It's about an hour and 20 minutes. Okay. I listened to like an hour and like 15. <laughs> so okay. I didn't catch them, but then he, they were just kind of talking about like hip hop and some other stuff. And, you know, he was asking um, Professor, Nick Cannon was asking Professor Griff to talk a little bit about his story. So I just wanted to make sure I heard enough to be able to speak to um, mm-hmm. to it, you know, for, you know, for this discussion. Oh, okay. And, um, Sorry, we didn't do our homework. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, it's, it's all good. Because, because that's the thing. I didn't know if, I didn't know if we necessarily wanted to 
like say whether it was or it wasn't anti-Semitic. Like I didn't know if we wanted to have that conversation because mm-hmm. again, I, I, I feel like in order to do that, you probably have to have a Jewish person and a Jewish person yeah, in Jewish history to really have that conversation and none of us are Jews. Mm-mm. So, it, you know, it's kind of like, I guess maybe like white people saying what is racism and what isn't. Again, I'm not directly making that correlation because black people do not have a history of oppressing Jews, right? right. I'm just saying mm-hmm. because we are not a part of that community. I don't know how effective that would be to say, well, mm-hmm. it wasn't anti-Semitic or it wasn't because it, you know, that voice should come from the people who experience anti-Semitism, right? So I didn't know if I necessarily wanted to go there, but I did want to at least have an understanding of what it was he was talking about. And I did hear the sound bites. And then I went back and I listened to like 95% of the, of the video. And um, he, and I agree with you, Jackie, like, you know, him, France Fanon and others uh, said some things that were difficult to hear. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he made reference of theories that, that come from scholars, that come from um, reputable scholars like Francis Crest Wilson. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so he, you know, he did say some things that was difficult to hear. Um, I don't know if it was, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not Jewish, so I don't know how much I would say it was hate talk necessarily. Um, and I don't even know if they had a problem, if, if some Jews had a problem with the question of origin, because mm. I then went and listened to another video where there was a black guy who was talking to a Jewish guy about what Nick Cannon was saying. And he admitted he was white, but he admitted, he said, well, yeah, many Jews do. We know that Abraham, who was considered to be the first Jew, was a man of color. Like he was a darker skinned man. Mm -hmm. And we kind of know that. We also, uh, based on their readings or their teachings that David, who is a very central figure in Jewish history, was a Mm -hmm. man that had like a reddish undertone. So, the key people in their uh, um, in their lineage are people of color. And so what he was saying in that regard, that there were people who are of color that were these original Jews is not far off. Like a lot of Jews would say, yeah, we agree, right? Um, but then he was talking about Judaism being a spiritual identity, you know, not necessarily this kind of biological or this ethnic, ethnic thing. Right. Right. So he was kind of, you know, doing that as well. And he said that the issue wasn't necessarily the question of origin as much as it was when he was talking about how Jews own everything. So Jews hmm. own oh, okay. all the banks and they have this central banking system and they control all the trade in the world. And they're the reason, you know, and I, I might be going a little overboard, but like they might be the reason for some countries falling and some countries rising and the mm-hmm. Rothschilds and all this other kind of conspiracy, what he called conspiracy theories. And he said, and this was interesting because he said that kind of talk is not new. That kind of talk dates back to the 19th century. And it was that kind of talk, those so-called conspiracy theories that led people, particularly Hitler, to take these theories, you know, slate them as truths and then you know, put through, push through policies and enact actions that led to the Holocaust. So when people okay. say things like, oh, you know, cause they really did believe that the Jews were greedy and they were hogging all the money and they were hogging all the banks. And that's why Germany had, you know, Germany was in a bad place. And that's why the Germans were um, largely unemployed and poor and dying from poverty and hunger. And it was that reason that, you know, Hitler did what he did. And I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense, you know, if, and so he said that, you know, when we hear stuff like that, it's a trigger for Jews Mm -hmm. because that led to the Holocaust. So when you hear Nick Cannon say things like that, it's like, we don't want that to happen again. We don't need that kind of talk to keep going because that's what led people to do what they did back then, you know? Um, So, so that, that was a, that was another thing I learned from, from the whole thing. Um, I was really trying to find the hate talk and I really didn't hear a lot of, again, a lot of hate speech. Again, this is me, somebody from the outside. Um, Mm. But more so it was just these kind of theories around why, you know, around who was the original Jews and, you know, trying to, trying to make sense of like Mm. this kind of 
you know, these ideas or this religious, um, you know, um, this religious group. Now, what he said about white people, now that was harsh. <laughs> and a person could take from that because he was literally saying that white people were these deficient people because of their lack of melanin, like they could not function as like compassionate people. <laughs> oh, okay. And so to me, if there was any type of hate speech, it would be that part. You know what I'm saying? And I, you know, I, I don't even think white people necessarily had an issue with that because people, you know, there's so many books and stuff that, you know, um, suggest that as well. Um, and I didn't really hear a lot of backlash from white folks about that part, about mm -hmm. what he was saying. But that part to me was very, um, it was, it was like, whoa, you know, and I can't say, well, I'm, I'm not going to go there, but all I'm going to say is that it was, it was, it was that part that I think was kind of, was really controversial that he didn't get in a lot of trouble for that. Mm. I thought he probably would. That's interesting. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think about how we as black folks can hear white people say something that we consider to be a dog whistle and then have to explain to other folks of color or to white people why it was racist and why it was anti-black. And so if Jewish people are listening to that and they're hearing it as anti-Semitic, like an anti-Semitic dog whistle, um, then I, you know, I understand that. But, you know, as someone who didn't listen to the whole thing, I would really need to like sit with it and understand how um, what he said like falls under that category. Mm. Mm. Now, now, how do you all navigate, right, mm -hmm. your own platforms? You know, does seeing what Nick Cannon went through um, as someone who had his own, it was his own show, this is what he was doing, yeah. he, he had his own ideas, and he's working through, and I think black people, I don't look at black people's conspiracy theories in the same way I look at white folks, only because a lot of times our conspiracy theories are coming from us trying to make sense of our oppression. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's us trying to work through why these things happen. Why, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you know, some people call it whole temporary, which I hate. I, right. I, What's I, the word that you use? About that. hate the term hotel? Like, what, what word do you use instead? I can't remember. I, I actually, I, I'm actually very um, sensitive about people who, who, who have certain ideas that may be outside of the norm. Um, mm. I don't really have any, any word for it. I'm just mm. kind of like. Because, I mean, if you think about it, Malcolm, the Nation of Islam would have been considered hoteps, right? If, yeah. if, if, if they had come up in today's time where we was back then. You know what I'm saying? You know, mm -hmm. only supporting Black-owned businesses. Vernon Johns, who was the pastor at, at Ebene well, Ebenezer Dexter before Martin Luther King, he would have been considered a hotel because his mm -hmm. ideas were outside of what people, what people thought of were to be the norm at that time. Um, so I think Hotep is, is, is a very, again, for me, it's just a very like dismissive term that mm. number one, I feel like if, a, if one group doesn't agree with another group, we, then we create this term to say, well, y'all crazy. Like, it's kind of like mm. when Dave Chappelle was explaining to Oprah, like why he, you know, why, why he felt offended when people call him crazy because he went to Africa and it was like, mm -hmm. well, just cause you don't get it or you don't understand it don't mean I'm it's crazy, crazy. Right. My, like my reality. And so I give you an example. I was, I was at, this was like a couple of years ago. I was at work and I was talking to a, a coworker, this black sister, and we didn't agree on something. And I said, well, I just think black people need to just only support black owned businesses. Like we need to just as mm -hmm. much as we can only buy and sell to each other. And she was like, oh, you sound like a hotel. Mm. And I was like, and I laughed and I'm like, how is that hotepish? She was mm -hmm. like, oh, that, that's that hotep talk. Mm. So I think it's very subjective. It's like if you don't agree with what I'm saying and you just created this term. Because now if I was to say it, that's real common. Like, yeah, of course, right. black, -owned black owned businesses. But I just think it's something that people, that, that we create that just, and then on top of that, hotep 
Imhotep was an actual real person that, right. you know, really did amazing things. So to take some, a person that was beautiful, a person that uh, was so significant in our culture, and then reduce that name to something that we use to dismiss a group, I think is yeah. productive, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to even go all in there. I'm sorry. I, didn't, I, I think didn't, that's important, though. That's, that's just my take on it. Um, why was I saying that, though? Anyway, I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> but what was the question was how do we navigate this space yeah 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 so 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 how do you all as people who have your own platforms how do you navigate censorship do you worry about if you'll be censored do you worry about what you'll say and if it'll come back to you and all of that absolutely you do <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i think about so I'm on three different social media platforms on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And depending on if someone follows me only on one thing, they're only getting one side of the story. Um, Twitter, I'm not super active on, but it's very much like tweeting about um, my perspectives related to my academic work. Um, Facebook, I get a little bit more personal but not fully personal. And I think Instagram is where you'll find most of like the elements of my everyday life. And, you know, I think often about how folks, um, especially black women and black women in academia have been shut out of different opportunities um, because of whatever, whatever folks have found on social media. I remember the year I was going to um, doctor school, the year that I was leaving, there were two Black women professors who essentially got docs. Like, people looked into their past, found some things, like, publicized it, and they ended up having to, like, be held accountable for these things that they said. Again, another, like, snapshot, decontextualized. Um, But the impetus for them doing that was because there was a group of people who didn't feel that black women should be in this position or professor, especially ones that have the sort of academic work that they did. Uh Um, And I think about that. um, I think about that a lot. Um, And it's hard for me to like figure out the right balance or how to navigate those pressures of being, um, essentially perfect on social media to those who are like reading into what what you're saying mm. so it's something that I think about a lot mm-hmm. man I um I'm not super active on social media anymore and I, and I actually want to change that soon when it just comes to me beginning to build up my own things and so mm-hmm. I, I haven't been worrying about it that much but I do believe that as I've as I become more vocal about what I believe, what I do believe in and all of the things that I think we need to relearn as a generation, I think it'll need to be something that's on my radar (laughs) because there's so much relearning that we need to do. It's drastically different from everything that we've been taught and that, and it's going to be controversial for sure. And so, um, and I think that's where it's like, I just need to be able to position myself again to just be completely self-supporting in some way, um, to not have to rely on um, organizations to be my sustenance in some way. Um, I'm sure the solution will reveal itself. <laughs> um, and I just, I will need to be mindful over time of what the consequences could be of speaking truth to power. Um, it's not a concern. It's not an active concern right now. I will say at um, the lab where I work, I feel like I'm being more um, frank about how I feel about just, you know, racism and though, you know, black relations and white relations and that. And so I feel like I'm becoming more unapologetic there, which I feel good about. Um, and luckily I'm in a space, well, not, not luckily, fortunately, I'm in a space where the people are, very receptive um, and are very much in a learning stance. And so I feel that they're listening and hearing right now. I wonder as things continue how 
and if that will change, depending on how much more vocal I become and how much more clear I become. Because I feel like over time, I'm just becoming more and more clear about what I believe and like what, um, how we should be moving forward as a country. And it, I think, in other words, it's just going to become more and more and more radical. And so it's just like, it's the radicalization of Amber's. Like, it's, I think what's happening is it's like, my radicalizing is happening in step, will probably happen in step with my use of social media. So I'm not sure how that yet, how that's going to play out. Mm-hmm. What I do find interesting though, I wonder like how, I just wonder how some of these companies work. And I wonder, you know, with Nick Cannon, who was observing him, who was mm-hmm. listening to the show, who was, who was the whistleblower to his company mm-hmm. and like how that whole thing worked. It's like, who was listening that then was like, oh, this was anti-Semitic. And then therefore it's like through the chain of command, they were able to act on it that fast. I think that that's interesting. I would really, I'm really curious about that process and I didn't do any research, but I think that's, I think that's interesting because it's like, who's watching you is the question. Right. And right. it makes me wonder like then, because you know, like, a lot of people in the movement, they got sold out because from people who were close to them. And so it's like, and it's like these CIA and FBI plants, they're right there next to you, your main one. <laughs> and so it's just like, is it a matter of having an open audience? Because some people, they're like, well, I'm not going to have an open audience. If I'm going to, if we get, like, for example, we could be like, we're going to have the Street Academy and it's a subscription service. And so that's already one kind of like layer of, you know of like okay only the people who are willing to subscribe and then i don't know we do a vetting process you know it's that kind of thing like then if if we might not be able to control like our own platform in in one way then do you control your audience in a sense um i don't know i think i think that's an i think it's interesting how like what what how how did that happen so and then i i think it's i think it's worth asking if the answer then is for black people to have so much control that they can then hire and fire people based on what they say and how they feel about them because right because Charlemagne was like well I look forward to black people being in a place where you know you know we can start firing people and saying oh well you don't have no job because you said something negative about our people, you know, and then I actually heard that Jewish guy on the podcast said, well, that's not the answer because, you know, think about all of these people, your Amy Coopers and all these people who get fired for doing things, um, you know, for doing negative things. But a lot of that is only because it's on video, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's so much, black people, there was so much racism on the work, in the workplace. You know what I'm saying? Like so much. And so um, it's nowhere near to the extent that sometimes we can see in other communities the backlash that can occur. Mm -hmm. And some of that could be related to power, right? And so once Black people, some people would argue that once we begin to be, you know, those ones controlling, you know, major parts of society, um, then... Maybe that's the answer. So I also think though it's very in poor taste at a time like this to fire a black man off of a comedy <laughs> show. I'm just like Viacom. Even though it's just like whoever their PR people, they're fine with. They're fine with saying this was anti-Semitic, but you're not fine with saying like you just had. Even though you know we're not saying that this was the sole income of Nick Cannon, but you just took this man's job away. Mm-hmm. Like why? Mm-hmm. Like you don't think that that says something about you all as a company like at a time like this mm. when we're really trying to reconcile as a country and think about well not even reconcile I don't even that's another thing I don't know but we're trying to be more critical about how black people are treated in America you're going to make you're going to make an example of this black man in this way I think that's mm. in poor taste I, I think I think that there could have been another way to address that I think they could have even said you know Nick, Nick we want you if you really were trying to like if, if your goal was reconciliation in a way, or right. if your goal was like community and understanding or whatever, uh, you could say, we're gonna demand, you can even say we're gonna require Nick Cannon to recant the statement or to do a whole nother podcast about why that was specifically anti-Semitic and work with some other people, have some other Jewish people on, on um, the, the podcast, invite them or something to say, we wanna bring healing to the community, we wanna bring understanding mm-hmm. because we care about Nick Cannon as 
a, a member of our staff. We care about his work. We believe in his work and we don't, we feel like this was something that was, you know, just a mark on him, on him but we didn't want that to be that. There's a whole nother way to approach that yeah. whole thing rather than say, we're going to fire you. The companies have entire public relations exactly. that hire different crises. Like they could have flipped, spinned and reversed all of this. Right. Um, they were invested in, in keeping him um, in some way. So. Right. But they weren't. And so that's why, again, it's like, you know, this black man, he working hard, working for these people, making them, making them tons of money. And then they like, we'll cut your string at any moment if you say something that we don't like. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I just think that that's interesting. Mm. So and then, it brings up the question of loyalty to me. Well, is it loyalty or is it is it like a forced loyalty or is it almost like a like a form of well, I don't want to say that, but I was gonna say, say like, <laughs> like is it like a form of slavery? Like you have to like you have to think this yes. way? Not like a you know what I'm saying? Like not like actual physical slavery, but I'm just saying like you're forced yeah, yeah. to, you know, think this way or be or or behave this way, or even if you think something different you you know like you can or you can't say certain things like your 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 mouth piece is you know is is chained essentially right mm-hmm. um is it that way you know a- again i mean i think i think if you're doing your job and you know you are a part of a of a of a company or something like that mm-hmm. um then you know while you're doing your job if you're in a uniform or whatever you have to uphold that i get that part Mm -hmm. but this is a whole separate thing you know what i'm saying this is a you know like why does your whole identity have to be you know synced up to whatever it is that's making you money you know that's the well see that brings the notion that and it go. I, I think it goes back to the entire structure of how work even happens here. And I apologize for my lighting. I just, it's not working. I'm, my bad, y'all. But um, you, it goes even to the 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 fallacy of a work life balance. It starts with this idea that you can separate yourself, that you can have these two identities that um coexist but don't exist at the same time. And that comes from this economy being based on seeing people as workers and as human capital. So we start there. It's just like, if you're human capital, you don't have a personal life. So you shouldn't bring your personal life to work. So there's mm-hmm. that whole idea. So that's working. That's at play with this. So we have this notion that you can separate yourself when you actually cannot. And we know that because I love this. I think, I don't know if I mentioned this to y'all before. It was this funny, um, funny meme I saw on Instagram where it was like the same reason why, um, the police and the KKK can't be at the same place at the same time is because is the same reason why Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana can't be in the room at the same time. Because <laughs> they're the same people. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, this is exactly true. And it's just like, it. we can't, we, we shouldn't try to separate the fact that it's just like who you are at work and who you are outside they're the same person. And we actually have to hold people accountable for that. That's why even you had the KKK able to infiltrate law enforcement because it was the idea that it was separate, but it's not separate. It never was separate. And yeah. that, it, it, it's not separate truly. The, the, the idea is that it's separate, which is actually very harmful and dangerous and actually quite evil to, because you're, try, you're only looking at people as like, um, as, as capital, as a resource. And so you try to treat people like that. But we need to be able to say, like, a person is a comprehensive. That's why we want to hold people accountable for, like, who you are on the streets because that's, that same idea is all of that you're bringing to your workplace in that yeah. sense. But it's just like, okay, so then what does that mean? It, you would have to change the entire system. You would have to change the entire way that we think about work. Mm. And so I feel like that all together is, like, some, is a really big mess that we have to work through. Mm. I mean, thinking about that, it, it makes me think back to um, the the philosophy of Jay-Z, which is, <laughs> I'm not a businessman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. And 
you know, it, all, all of that just makes me think of this idea of like personal brand, which I think that term has probably fallen out of favor a little bit and been exchanged for something else. But mm-hmm. this idea that um, people um, don't have this, this, this separation between their work identity and their home or personal identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that that leads to the commodification of people. Because if you're not, if you're not, if you don't have your own identity outside of your work identity, then you are a business and a business is a commodity. Um, And so I think, you know, to your point, Amber, we just have to like think through the implications of what these definitions mean for our lives. Yeah. Even the idea, like you said, of personal branding, because in some ways it's gotten really tiring. It's like, I'm a brand, I'm Liz. It's just like, you're a person, you're an actual human being, <laughs> but what, you, what you've had to do in order to make a living is that you've had to take aspects of your identity and like you said, commodify them, turn them into this thing and then sell yourself based on that. So mm-hmm. that's what you've had to do to survive. In a perfect world, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying that branding is, a, in that sense, is problematic, but there's something very interesting about what we're saying about human beings I think is really interesting like the way that we're just we're, we're re- I feel like in a way we're reducing ourselves to what we can produce because that's, yeah. that's, that's a business because <laughs> that's a very capitalistic mindset if we're operating in a capitalistic system it's right. all about production and work and what I can produce I can't right. be what, what it means to be human what does it mean to be human does it mean to be a living breathing uh, being who knows who has the capacity to love and life is about learning to love and learning to, to love, to be loved, to um, be able to, to live, eat, breathe, make a living for your, make a living for yourself, or maybe not even say make a living because that's still capitalistic, but to say um, to be able to enjoy is life about enjoyment and happiness. Is it, and I think we just, as, as Americans who are raised in this, it's such a part of our, our air that we breathe it's it's hard to separate it like what what it it's like it's just all up in there and i really want to unpack that some more and you know i think i think often about how organizers have the position of like you can't be for the people and not have a strong critique of capitalism you can't you can't be a capitalist and expect black liberation and black freedom because capitalism is so wrapped up in um, black oppression so that's a whole nother topic Mm -hmm. of discussion as well and then and then sometimes i think about like not even just the business but then because y'all were talking about branding the type of business that you put forth then can dictate the narrative right because Mm -hmm. it's not like nick cannon said I'll put it this way. Jay-Z has said a lot of the same stuff that Nick Cannon said. <laughs> like, if you listen to his music, Jay-Z, Ice Cube, Jay Electronica, who, and I did a whole, like, a post about this, who dated a, a Jew, a, a, a Rothschild, um, um, you know, they have all said a lot of the same things that you hear in that interview. Um, a lot of the same thing. And actually, Nick Cannon didn't really say a whole lot Professor Griff actually said a lot of the controversial statements and Nick Cannon just kind of agreed or he was kind of like mm-hmm. pushing the idea forward. Um, That's interesting because then how did Nick Cannon become the fall guy for that? Right. It was really Professor Griff who was saying a lot of that stuff. And then there were some things where Nick Cannon was, you know, he was kind of going off. But Professor Griff was really the one and Nick Cannon wasn't challenging. <laughs> he was kind of, kind of getting him to speak more about it and talk more, you know what I mean? So I think as an interviewer, had he framed the the question or framed his statements just a little bit differently, and instead of claiming it as true, if he said, well, so it sounds like what you're saying is based off of this theory, which means this, you know, and just kind of made it in that way, I think that that he would have been able to skate skate by it a little bit better but the way in which he was presenting the information was kind of like this is true this is mm-hmm. you know this this is um an understanding that we should consider and I, I i definitely think that that was 
something that um, led to the whole controversy. But again, the fact that there's so many artists, um, they talked about hidden colors, everything, what, what they were talking about here. Hidden mm-hmm. Colors already said a lot of that stuff. Yeah, Hidden Colors, yeah. That, that 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 was in that in the in the first two um ep, you know episodes or whatever. Um, um, scholars, uh, Renoku Rashidi. They mentioned Renoku Rashidi. That's who I thought about when uh, Nick Cannon when this whole controversy first started. I was like, well, Renoku Rashidi did a whole series about this, and people read about him in history classes from middle school, high school, college, and, and onward. So. Mm-hmm. It's not like what he said was really that bad, I guess, because such because so much of these thoughts have been presented in different ways. But I think maybe it was because it was him, who he mm-hmm. was connected to, and the fact that it wasn't couched in, you know, beats and rhymes and, you know, movies mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, so I think that is another point that you know for people particularly black people you know um i i I, like i think about you know in slavery right during slave times when we had to you know when we were sending messages to people about harriet something coming and all that and it was done in song or um i think I, i read somewhere that um sometimes the way in which black women would braid their daughter's hair there were messages inside the braids. There was messages inside mm-hmm. the quilts that grandmothers mm-hmm. and mothers will make for their children about how to get to freedom and stuff like that. Um, right. So I think I think we just have to be very creative. And we've always been that way. We've always put messages in our music and said stuff within our music. And we kind of looking at each other like, like we might be looking at any looking at white people listening to our music and looking at our movies and being like, they entertain, but they don't even really know like what it is that Nipsey saying. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not even really getting it. You know what I'm saying? But we get it. And so maybe that's the key. Maybe you know what I'm saying? Like maybe Nick Cannon was saying something that got outside of the message of just us. Cause had he said it in a different way, we would have got it. But maybe people outside of our community wouldn't have got it, gotten it. Um so that's another thing I think about when I that's another question to audience too because i don't know who professor gris like general audience like the demographics of his audience is but you know i I, I said the whole tips (laughs) (laughs) well that's a whole nother thing because then you would think that Nick Cannon would be preaching to the choir so to speak so i i really do want yeah, I really do wonder how this particular message got taken up as something that means like this very public response. Mm-hmm. And in another way, if we can just be honest, it's sur- there. There has to perhaps there's just surveillance. Perhaps there's surveillance. It's like mm-hmm. when you start getting to a certain level, or when you start talking about things anyway. Like Nick Cannon seemed to start just being a little bit more vocal anyway, just about different. Um, things you know even after you know Nipsey Hussle died and how he was talking about he wanted to you know continue the legacy of you know, I'm doing the Dr. Sabi documentary and he went down there and stuff you know he was trying to do that and that's definitely going to be on the government's radar because of how you know the, the the controversy around that and so it's just like perhaps we perhaps we could all look at it as at a certain level there's going to be some Cointel Pro <laughs> there's going to be some like we're watching you. There's going to be some intelligence who's like, oh, yeah, we're pinning this person down. Once you reach this radar, we're going to pay attention to you in any kind of way. Um, and we can, ex- and to expect that, um, I think we could expect it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, how will we operate if we expect surveillance? Right. Right. So then I guess, I guess to, to, to conclude, um, is the answer to continue to try to create our own, continue to try to beat Tyler Perry or Diddy or, you know what I mean? And have our own stuff is, I mean, but everybody can't do that, you know, mm-hmm. and, you but know. But why can't they, why can't we though? Well, well, yeah, I mean, that's true. That, yeah, that is, I mean, but, but where did, where did you learn it? Like Tyler Perry where? took, how long to build? 
you know what he created? A long time. It, I don't I mean, know. It took a minute. You know what I'm saying? Diddy. You know, why, I guess my question every is why there's a Carl Thomas that didn't get paid. There's a Mace that didn't get paid. Yeah. There's a 112 that didn't get paid. <laughs> and, 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 you know, perhaps we have to, I, I think that's the thing. It's just like, I guess my question to you would be like, where, where did you learn that everybody couldn't do that or that everybody shouldn't try to? That's true. That's true. You're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I I guess I guess I'm just thinking about to get to that point to where stereotypically the Jews control everything. I'm not saying the Jews control everything. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I'm just saying that because that's the myth, right? So the idea is that in response, black people need to control everything so that we can have that kind of power. Um, well, see, that's different. It's not that we need to control everything. We need to control what concerns us. Mm-hmm. We don't have the same motivation. I remember seeing somebody, they were like, doesn't everyone want to control the world? Actually, no. <laughs> right. Well, he talk- Nick, Nick said that Nick was like, this is the only group, talking about white folks, he said oh. this is the only group that was out here trying to take over everybody. Yeah. You know? and just we don't want to control everything. We just want to be okay by ourselves. Awesome. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So, and so was every other indigenous person in every land before some other mother suckers came and said that they wanted to start controlling the world. They didn't just want to explore, they wanted to control it. We don't have that same type of desire. So I'm not trying to control everything. I just want to control what ours is. And that's why I can respect Tyler Perry, despite his films, despite those wigs, all of that. I can can respect him saying from top to bottom, we have our own studio because we're controlling this. Right. That's respect. Yeah. So when we can start doing that, saying we're gonna control our food, our food supply. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. gonna control our clothing supply. We're gonna control our music production, our art production, all of that kind of stuff. So if I have a show called Wild and Out that I want to create, it's on my platform. It's on my stuff done by my people. You know. Right. My, the investors are people who understand me and my cause, but then it, it takes you to the point of just saying, is this a black thing or is this a difference of opinion thing? Because it's not to say that all black people agree on everything and that there might not be some points where just because all the black people controlling stuff, it's not like there won't be dissension and people disagree and then well, there yeah. might be factions. So not to, not to mm-hmm. say that black people are a monolith in terms of their opinions and that there might not be some splits. Because I don't want to say like, if you just get all black people together, then we'll be fine. I'm not going to say that because you have, we, you have your people who are questionable. Um, and, yeah. But not just that, everybody is permitted to think differently. It's right. supposed, to, supposed to be freedom. So how can we create a system where we can actually be free? That's the thing. Mm. I think. Mm. That's a good question right there. Because again, it's like even the, the orientation of the question. Is it about controlling everything or is it making sure that we're all free? Right. Because con- the idea of control, again, comes from white supremacy. It comes from that. Mm. It comes from that idea like, I need control, I need to control. Because it, I'm pursuing control because I, I don't feel in control. Mm. And when I don't feel in control, and there's something about me that when I don't feel in control, I don't feel valued. I don't feel like I'm, you know, I'm doing what I'm, I guess, supposed to do or, um, I, and I don't know if, and Nick Cannon argued that's like this inferior complex that he said people with a lack of melanin have, he said that's this complex that when they're not in control, then they, you know, um, it, it comes from that, that he argues that's this inferior complex. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Amber. I think that, that I, I think it's just a matter of being safe, creating something to where we feel safe, you know what I mean? To where we feel like we can't be disrespected. Everybody, ha- like you can have freedom, but you can have freedom without infringing on the freedom or disrespecting other people or degrading other people. You know, and so just being able to have that, and and every nation has a has an army. You know, every every nation has has a security detail, yeah. and so mm-hmm. you got to have some some security detail that's gonna control, or not not control, but that's gonna protect you when people inside or outside get out of hand. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's just what a nation should have, and black people should have that. 
And that security detail could either be the power that we have, you know, within the structure or some type of paramilitary, you know, detail that we have outside, whether it be physical, whether it be financial or something that we use to help, you know, control um, and regulate the behaviors of people inside and outside of that nation. Um, and it could just be done in different ways. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, this has been another episode, y'all. Street Academy Podcast, Nick Cannon. Hey, we 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 wish you the best, brother, because you were part of the of, of us, the black community. So we, we wish you the best. I hope him and Diddy do can do something together. Cause I I I, I think I, yeah, I think you I like Wildin' Out. That yeah. is one of my my secret my secret. You like? Show. Oh, okay. Wildin' Out. Yeah, it's funny as hell. <laughs> it's funny as hell. So yeah, I um I just hope you know Nick get paid because Diddy gotta. Diddy, it's like Diddy and then Birdman. Like for people who don't pay, <laughs> they artists, man. Yikes! I like, gotta do better. Do Yikes! Cool, cool. I do wish the best for Nick Cannon and all the people in his camp and that they because I can imagine that being very demoralizing for the people on the Wild Now team um, right. to lose their their leader of sorts you know and I think it's I think I just think that whole thing is just I think it's in poor taste and I think the time is bad I think there could have been a more um compassionate way of handling that yeah it's I, oh what no I was gonna say I heard he was he was getting suicidal at one point because of this whole thing. I think I saw, I don't know how, how true that was. It was a site that wasn't, I don't know if it was- so Reputable. <laughs> but it said something about him having these suicidal thoughts. Mm. So, yeah. Mental health is real. I hope that he gets some peace of mind and some clarity on forward, so. For sure. For sure. I'm glad I got you to talk about this. Cool, cool. Well, we out. See y'all on the on the flip side. Peace, peace. Anytime now. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first episode. Uh, so then you we... want to close the recording for a second and then restart it, or? Oh, good idea. Yeah, I can do okay. it. Oh no, no, no! Wait, cancel and close the recording.